0: I invite everybody to please stand and open your Bibles to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 30. We will be looking at the entire chapter. We're going to read just four verses here. Acts 10, chapter, chapter 10, verse 30. Cornelius replied, Four days ago at this hour, at three in the afternoon, I was praying in my house. Just then, a man in dazzling clothing stood before me and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your acts of charity have been remembered in God's sight. Therefore, send someone to Joppa and invite Simon here, who is also named Peter. He is lodging in Simon the Tanner's house by the sea. So I immediately sent for you and it was good of you to come. So now we are all in the presence of God to hear everything you have commanded. You have been commanded by the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. We thank you, Jesus, for your goodness and for your grace and for your mercy. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, now to be our teacher, to bring comfort and encouragement, conviction of sin Lord transform us to your image Lord Jesus. Father pour your great love into our hearts. Touch us, transform us. Give us your eyes to see people the way you do. Your heart to love them with your love. So that your name Jesus is glorified and we ask these things in your name. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. What is a joy and pleasure to see you ever eat the little. Let me start over. My tongue is all twisted up. So it is a joy seeing all of you here. Mel, thank you so much. Worship team, choir, y'all did great. Mel, you're Spanish. Bien hecho. Very good. So thank you. No, but thank you so much for all y'all's work. Um, for those who haven't been here, we've been going through the book of Acts very quickly. So we're only going to cover just a few chapters here and there. But I've encouraged everyone, read through this book this month. There are 28 chapters in the book of Acts. So if, today, let's see, it's May what 19th. If you haven't started, you've got about 12 days to go. So if you have been reading it, you get a couple days off because there's 31 days in May. But I really want to encourage you to read the book of Acts. It's a powerful book of the early church and what the Holy Spirit was doing in the life of our spiritual forefathers, so to speak. So it's a powerful book. Last week, we were looking at Acts chapter 3 and 4. When Peter and John were arrested... For having healed a lame man and having preached to the multitudes, and they were prohibited from teaching and preaching in Jesus' name. And both Peter and John, very uneducated, very untrained, they're from the backwoods of Galilee and the Sanhedrin. They noticed that they were uneducated, they noticed that they are untrained, and yet it says they noticed their boldness and recognized that they had been with Jesus. And it says when Peter responded to them, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, as believers, we always have the Holy Spirit. But there is this context, there is this thought, there is this teaching of being filled. And Paul teaches in Ephesians, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. In the same way that wine controls someone, their speech, their thoughts, their walking Their ability to even stand straight. In the same way that alcohol can control someone, we are to be controlled and filled with the Holy Spirit. And there are several practical things that I touched on very quickly last week, and I want to rehash it very quickly. How are we continually filled with the Holy Spirit? The first one is this. Praise and worship and thanksgiving. That is first and foremost. We enter God's presence through thanksgiving and worship. Can y'all see that? The second one is prayer. Mucho oración, mucho poder. Much prayer, much power. Prayer is hard work. We need to pray individually, but also corporately. And I'm going to put a little advertisement out for the concert of prayer tonight. It's not a concert. We're going to get down on our knees and worship and pray. You're invited. Six o'clock. The next one is just scripture, reading God's word. We read his word. We read the written word to encounter the living word, who is Jesus himself. The fourth thing is confession. I want to encourage you daily. Spend a few minutes every day confessing your sins to our Heavenly Father. Ask Holy Spirit to examine your heart and confess your sins to him. Find a dear brother and sister and confess your sins one to another. It says in James, confess your sins one to another. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. There is power in confession. The fifth one, community. There is no verse in scripture that talks about Lone Ranger Christians and one of our cultural tendencies a current in our culture here in America the United States is that rugged individualism it's just easier to do it on my own why well, challenge you cut off a finger and see how long that finger lives don't ever do that <laughs> paul talks all about it we are a body and we need one another we need each other and as we live a life together in fellowship We are filled continually with Holy Spirit. Last one is obedience. We need to walk as Jesus walked. We need to walk in obedience. We will disobey. And when we disobey, what do we do? We go back to the fourth one. Confession. As we do these things, Holy Spirit will continually fill us daily. And people will recognize that we've been with Jesus. All right, you're dismissed. Acts chapter 10. We've been talking a lot about gospel conversations. There's a short video, gospel conversations. It's sharing part of God's story of him loving the world so much that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have what? Eternal life. That is the gospel. It's sharing what God is doing in our lives. And we've been called every believer, young and old, regardless of race, race, Regardless of social strata, all of us are called to fulfill the Great Commission. That's to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Gospel conversations. But I know for many of us, myself included, it's scary sometimes to share the gospel. What if someone asks a question I don't know? What if I mess up and say the wrong thing? I don't even know if I even know what the whole gospel is. I'm too afraid. I'm an introvert. I don't have the gift of evangelism. That's for the missionaries to do. For the pastor to do. There are so many reasons and so many excuses that we could shrink back and not share the gospel. What if my friends laugh at me? What if my co-workers make fun of me? I've shared this story in the past and actually brought my Bible from high school today. Back in high school, I got saved when I was in ninth grade. And I had some amazing men in my life who discipled me encouraged me. And back in high school, this was back in the day when a lot of my African-American friends who played basketball, I played basketball. I've got the body for it, right? I was short, slow, and couldn't jump. But, man, I could play. And usually I was the only white kid on the floor. And all my friends, they would have all these crazy things in the, with their haircuts, all these symbols and these names and these words on the back of their hair. And I had become a Christian And I was bold for my faith. And so I bought a big old Bible. This one right here. This is it. And I would lug it around every single one of my classes, plus all my books. And we had five minutes to get from one class to another. So we never could go to our lockers. So usually it was carrying three hours of school classes under your arm. And it was not cool to have a backpack back then. And then I added my Bible. And all my friends were like, why such a big Bible? Get a little one. No, because I need to let people know I'm a Christian. This big old heavy thing we're in Mexico, I'd have 10 people running up because it was very disrespectful Mexico to drop your Bible on the floor. And with all my friends putting all these words in the back of their haircuts, I put a big old cross right here in the side of my hair. I did. Because I need to be bold for Jesus. And when I look back on my high school years, I'm actually really ashamed because many times I acted, and I've said this before, like an SS officer, a Nazi officer. And I'd try to get people in a corner. I'd try to force them and try to argue with them and convince them to get saved. And I'm halfway embarrassed by how I treated certain people. Now, the motive, I think, was really good. A heart for the lost. A heart for the broken. But there are many times I would walk away from a conversation. I got them. I showed them. But did they really recognize and see Jesus in my words and in my actions? Did I see them the way God sees them? There's a story today here in Acts chapter 10. And open your Bibles to Acts chapter 10. And we're going to go really fast. Here in Acts chapter 10. And we're not going to read it all. But I want to encourage you this week, if you haven't started the book of Acts, jump to Acts chapter 10 and read 10 through 15 this week. You'll really have to catch up the following week because we're almost out of May. But from Acts 10 to 15, it's almost the same continual running story. We have two men here that was going to talk about this whole chapter. Here at the beginning of verse 1, it says this in verse 1. 10-1. There was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Tyan regiment. He was a devout man and feared God along with his whole household. He did many charitable deeds for the Jewish people and always prayed to God. About three in the afternoon, he distinctly saw in a vision, an angel of God who came in and said to him, "Cornelius." So here we have this Italian, a Roman soldier, a centurion, who was captain of the Italian regiment. In the regiment, there were 600 soldiers. He was a captain of that regiment. He was a centurion, so he was at least in charge of 100 soldiers, if not the 600. A foreigner. Rome controlled Israel, he was a Gentile, he was Italian, and he was a soldier. In fact, he was captain of the soldiers. And it says that he was a devout man. He loved God, he prayed, he was very charitable. He loved the Jewish people. So as this Italian centurion came over to Israel as a soldier, he was introduced to the God of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. He fell in love with God, and he blessed the Jewish people but he still symbolized the ruling country over Israel. How do you think most of the Jews viewed this centurion who didn't know him? Those in Caesarea loved him because they saw his love for God, they saw his prayers and his generosity. Those who knew him loved him. But any common Jew seeing this Italian soldier from a distance How would they view him? They would despise and hate him because he symbolized Roman rule. And it says he's praying one afternoon. And he has a vision. And an angel shows up. And we're not going to read the whole story. But this angel tells him, go to send for a man named Simon Peter in Joppa. So after he has this vision, he calls two servants and a very devout soldier Tells them the story of what he just had. He just had a vision. An angel shows up. One of the ways that God speaks to his people is through visions and dreams and through angelic visitations. It didn't just stop and act. And he's obedient to what God has called him to do. So he sends these men away. Now it's at least a day's journey from Caesarea to Joppa. A day later, here jumping down, If we look at verse 9, Acts 10, 9, it says, The next day, as these men were traveling nearing the city, Peter went up to pray on the roof about noon. And he became hungry and wanted to eat. And while they were preparing something, he fell into a trance. And he himself had a vision. And the vision was this. This big, huge sheep came down and had all types of four-footed animals and birds and reptiles. All these animals and all these reptiles Animals that were illegal for Jewish people to eat. It wasn't kosher. We have to remember Peter is Jewish. And from the time he was born up and even till now, he followed the Old Testament law. And he has this vision and he hears the Lord say, Kill and eat. And three times Peter says, No, I've never eaten anything unclean. Now you need to remember. Months before and years before, when Peter was with Jesus, Jesus taught very clearly that you can eat anything. It's not what goes into a man or woman that makes them unclean or clean. It's what comes out. And that teaching that Jesus gave in the Gospels for Peter, right over his head. Peter has his vision three times, kill and eat. And what does Peter do? No. How can I disobey the Old Testament law? I've never eaten anything unclean. And after the third time, he's sitting there up on the roof contemplating. And these three men show up at the house where Peter is staying and they call for Peter. Peter comes down. He invites them in. He says, yes, I'm I'm the Peter you're looking for. What is it? And these three servants, these two servants and soldier of Cornelius, Explain what had happened with their master. And so they stay the night. The next day, they begin to travel back to Caesarea. Now think of this. Here's Cornelius, three days earlier, four days earlier. He has this vision, and God is pursuing him. You see, God desires the salvation of all men and women. Cornelius still wasn't a believer yet. He was a follower of the Old Testament God, but he still didn't know who Jesus was. And God, in His great mercy, is getting ready to open this huge door of salvation. Then you have God working in Peter's heart. Peter and Cornelius, they don't know each other at all. Peter, who is the leader of the apostles, but is still very Jewish, has this vision of eating unclean food. He's like, uh no way. Yet these men show up and they tell Peter who they are and what needs to happen. So Peter's beginning to hear the Holy Spirit. Ooh. Maybe God's getting ready to do something. So the next day they travel back to Caesarea. And we'll jump down here. In verse 22. No, verse 24 it says. The following day he entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was expecting them. And he had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him, fell at his feet and did what? Worshipped him. You can see Cornelius, even though he loved God, he was still very confused. He sees Peter and he rushes to Peter and bows at his feet and starts worshiping Peter. Can you imagine someone bowing at your feet and worshiping you? What does Peter do? But Peter lifted him up and said, Stand up, I myself am also a man. While talking with him, he went in and found a large gathering of people. Peter said to them. You know it's forbidden for a Jewish man. To associate with or visit a foreigner. We can quickly read over that verse. And not understand what is happening. They say that the most segregated time in the United States. Is right now. Why? Peter tells Cornelius, you all know that it is unlawful for me, being Jewish, to associate and visit, even come under the house of a foreigner. What happened to all of Jesus' teaching and his example being a friend of sinners? We have to remember the apostles were not perfect. Peter was still getting pulled back into the cultural norms of racism. And Peter and the rest of the apostles were still hunkered down in Jerusalem. And it took persecution for the church in Jerusalem that was growing like wildfire to be pushed out into Israel and to the surrounding regions to share the gospel. It took a vision from our Heavenly Father To reveal to Peter, don't you dare call anyone unclean. Don't you dare call anyone of a different race, ethnicity, social background, dirty or unclean. Don't you dare do that. Don't you ever think more highly of yourself. The racism in the first century was wretched. Racism in our day today is horrendous. Verse 29 or verse 28. Halfway through, but God has shown me that I must not call any person impure or unclean. That's why I came without any objection when I was sent for you. So may I ask. Why you sent me? And Cornelius explains. And then, right here, look at what Cornelius says. Verse 33. So I immediately sent for you, and it was good of you to come. So now we are all in the presence of God to hear everything you've been commanded by the Lord. I've only experienced that once. We had an outreach in Mexico. And we were crammed, Christy and I were crammed in this tiny little restaurant, a chicken restaurant. There were about 20 people in there. And we watched the 30-minute video from the Billy Graham Association on national TV in Mexico. And afterwards, one of our dear friends, who wasn't even a believer yet, shared the gospel with everyone in that room. And a lady stood up and said, brothers, what are we supposed to do? And we led them through the Lord's Prayer. Everyone prayed it. Now, not everyone... Started coming to church and at least half they disappeared. Who knows where they went. But there were several in that group who became active members. And when I read this verse here, we are all here to hear what God has for you to tell us. Cornelius had invited all of his family members and his close friends. I can imagine his house was packed. And they're pleading with Peter. How do we get saved? What does God want for us? What would have happened if Peter had allowed his cultural racist beliefs to dominate his actions? Peter then says right here in verse 34, Now I truly understand that God doesn't show favoritism. But in every nation, the person who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And then Peter goes on and he shares the gospel of who Jesus was, what Jesus did. Jesus dying on the cross. Jesus rising from the dead and ascending to heaven. And Peter tells him, we ate with him, we drank with him, we saw him and we touched him after he rose from the dead. And there is salvation in no one else. In Acts chapter 10, verse 42 and 43, these are the two key verses. In verse 42, it says, He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that He is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and dead. That's Jesus. Jesus is our judge. He's going to judge all people. And then Peter says, All the prophets testify about Him that through His name, everyone who believes in Him receives what? Forgiveness of sins. The opposite's true too. Everyone who does not believe in Jesus will not be forgiven. There's only one way. I used this example last week. If this building was burning down and if that door back there was the only way out, would it be arrogant or prideful or malicious if Andy Collier was standing at that back door pleading for people to go out that way? No, it would be the most loving thing that anyone could ever do. Jesus is the only way to heaven and he's the only one who forgives sins. And it's by his love and his power and his presence that every racial barrier should be broken down. Because God does not show favoritism. And he desires for all men and all women to be saved. God desires all people to come to saving faith and knowledge in Jesus what does that have to do with gospel conversations well God has placed each and every one of us right here right now to share the goodness of Jesus with everyone with whom we work live and play for some of us he's calling us to go around the world to other countries to do that For all of us, he's calling us to share the good news. And I want to encourage you, don't follow the example I did back in high school and treat everyone as a trophy or as someone that needed to be pinned down to the mat to pray a prayer. I was much more obnoxious for Jesus than I was loving for Jesus. But at the same time, God has called us. And just like Peter and John, like we saw last week, We're called to be bold. We're commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we also can trust and know that God is working in the hearts and lives of people all around us every day. Back in this story here, five days before this event with Cornelius and all of his family, do you think Peter even had the slightest idea what was getting ready to happen? Absolutely not. And yet God was working in the life of Cornelius. His entire life working in his life. And he used Cornelius, a man of incredible prestige and influence and power. And as he invited his closest friends and his family, probably even some of his soldiers to come, and then here comes Peter, the leader of the early church coming into this house, a Jew and a Gentile coming together, Peter preaches. And it says, as Peter was ending, that there's everyone who believes in Jesus will have forgiveness of sins. It says the Holy Spirit fell upon everyone in there and they began to speak in tongues. And the Jewish men and women who had come with Peter when they saw that, they, that these Gentiles, the same thing is happening to these Gentiles is what happened on the day of Pentecost. Peter then says, who should keep them from being baptized? They've received the gift of the Holy Spirit. They've been forgiven. And it says in verse 48 that they baptized Cornelius and his whole family. Everyone there. And it says Cornelius asked Peter to stay with them for a few days so that he could disciple them and teach them. And if you want to know what happens with this story, read chapter 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15. This chapter is the chapter that symbolizes the gospel going out to the Gentiles. And I would bet that 99.9% of all of us are Gentiles. That means we're not Jewish. And out of God's great mercy. He's worked in our lives. So that we can come to know him. And I want to encourage you. God is working in the hearts. And minds. Of all those around you. You might not see it. But trust in him. As you share the love of Jesus. With, with, Jesus with those around you. And sit back. And watch Holy Spirit. Do incredible work. In and through you. As you humbly follow him and walk in humble obedience to him. Let's pray. I want everybody to please stand. Jesus, as we close in prayer, uh, I confess to you that I know I'm a racist. Lord Jesus, I also confess to you that I know that I'm very prideful. And I look down on people who are different than me, who look different than me, who act different than I do, who are from different countries. Lord, I confess to you too my own sin of how I view Americans. And I am one. Jesus, we invite you to bring great conviction of sin into all of our hearts, of our own pride, of our own racism, of our own selfishness. And may you open our eyes and our hearts to see others the way you do. Jesus, may we have your heart To love those who you put in our lives. And may we make the most of every opportunity. To tell them about who you are, Jesus. Father, you are inviting the world to come to your feet. To be part of your family. And you've invited us to be part of your work and your mission. May we say yes to you and follow you humbly, Jesus, filled with your Holy Spirit. And we ask these things in your precious name. Amen.